from the top. Okay. Drop that. Yeah. Feel the funk, y'all. From Alpha to Omega, VHS to Beta, PlayStation to Sega, my skill is still greater. The sickest thing since BD, wicked like BG, with my life crooked like the left finger on ET. Please believe me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley, and today I have Genevieve Walker on my podcast and i am so excited this girl is absolutely rad she has been killing the game recent athlete of mountain hardware and been teaching some clinics in mexico regardless if you don't know who she is you definitely want to make sure that you go on the gram she's on all the platforms find her our conversation is just going to be two climbers really meeting each other for the first time and really just empathizing the experiences that we had in life some of you guys, and I'm going to give fair warning, might be over talking about the black and brown thing, but I don't give a damn if you are or not, because it's important to us. And it's also important to continue to bring recognition to this community. I'm going to say something that might sound absolutely preposterous, but the day that Black History Month goes away and turns into the normal history that we all study, it doesn't have to be this additive. That's when I'll stop talking about this. So I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys enjoy. First and foremost, thank you for being my guest on Sends and Suffers. Let's go ahead and introduce yourself to the community. We kind of just started rambling and we're just like vibing, like POC yeah, vibes. I high five. Well, yeah, black and brown vibes here. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So who are you, where are you from and uh, how'd you get into climbing? So my name is Genevieve Walker. Um, I'm originally from the Hudson Valley area in New York. So if you're familiar with the Gunks, Schwangunk Mountains, um, I'm from that area. Didn't really get into climbing until right when I was about to move out of New York and go to New Hampshire. I was like in college dating a guy who lived in the Gunks, like right at the base of the mountain on our first date, like took me out. I remember it being like I don't think it was winter time, but there was still snow in the ground. And I was like, all dressed up, all cute, my like sandals and shit. And he like takes me to the carriage road, like walks me down this like snow covered path and like puts me on this climb. And I was like hooked. I loved it. It was just something completely different than or like completely what I'm not used to. And it was crazy. It was like 20 minutes from my house. So like basically my backyard, I had no clue that like people were doing it. And I think that's what kind of really got me like psyched was I've always liked the challenge. I've always like pushing myself and, and challenging myself. And I always, I felt like I was okay at it in the beginning, but like doing it more and like seeing the progression, like it just kind of got me like more and more hooked. Um, and it was something that I wasn't competing with other people in a way. Like I was competing with myself, which is what I've always really liked doing. I always like pushing myself and seeing how far I could take myself, my body, my mind. Um, so yeah. And then I realized, like, after we broke up, I was, like, still really psyched on it. And I think that's how I knew that, like, this is something I really wanted. Because you know how you, like, you, like, get into things with your partner and then, like, you guys break up and you kind of stop doing it. Like, that really wasn't for me. No, this was definitely. It's awesome. So you, you're hooked. You, you know, you got bit by the bug. What styles of climbing do you prefer? So since I grew up in the gungs, I first started climbing trad. Like my first time outside was trad climbing in the gungs, um, just following up some easy stuff. And I loved it. That's all I knew at the time. Like, I didn't know there was all these other styles. I saw people bouldering and things like that, but I didn't really know what was out there. So I started with that, then started going to the gym shortly after. And then from there, I really, I got, I've been psyched on sport climbing. I think pretty much my whole time I've been climbing. I love trad too, but I, I definitely sport climb more. It allows me in a way, I think because also I'm just around more sport crags. And uh, it allows me to really just focus on my moves rather than like my mental game and like placing pieces. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. When the route gets big, bold and scary, that's like where I operate the best because I'm like, OK, there's absolutely no mistakes allowed in this zone. But I will admit, I think sport climbing is just more also more accessible, I think, for the thing. And also to finding consistent trad partners is always 
been a hard thing, but it makes it harder. So sport climbing just by sheer nature, I think is more accessible. And let's just be honest, like cost factor is a lot easier to get into. For sure. So like when I first got really like into it all and really got into like buying my own gear and things like that, I got lucky enough that I met a couple people who were willing to take me out um, and not just have me like follow and like, you know, follow and like clean their gear for them, but like actually kind of show me the ropes a little bit. Um, and then at one point I actually like paid for a guy to like take me out for a weekend. And he showed me, he like watched me like place my gear and gave me like um, feedback, which was really great. He told me how to open up a bottle, a beer bottle with a carabiner, which was very important. And he even just told me, like taught me like little things like, Hey, like, you know, if you're on this like second pitch and like inclement weather comes in, like, this is what you need to do. And this is how you need to get down. So I think I, for me, like I kind of took like a nice progression of like having friends who were slightly mentors and, um, and then doing that guided weekend. But then when I wanted to start going off on my own, it was hard because again, the cost factor, like buying a trad rack is so freaking expensive. And there's a lot of other little things involved in that. You need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Slings, tip locks. Like- mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what was really important for me when I was like trying to transition into taking a more of like a leadership role in the climbing in my own life was mock leading. I mock lead led so much prior to like actually going out and leading on my own. So like I would mock lead with friends. This is before I had my own gear. I would just go out and, and have them set me up a top rope, go up, mock lead myself. Um, and then eventually my first trad rack was off of eBay. I didn't even know what to look for. Like I had no idea. I think I paid, I said, I worked so hard and saved up so much money. I spent 250 bucks on this like trad rack. And I, all I knew is it came with like this massive amount of gear. It was a bunch of cams. It came with, um, some, with like two sets of nuts, set of hexes and this like mini big bro. Like I thought, I didn't even know what this thing was. It was like, this is metal tube. I didn't even know how to like open it and like keep it. And it literally was like, I don't even, it's so small. Like I show people this and like, is this even like usable? Um, and it was rigid stem friends. So these things didn't even have a flexible stem. It was like, like from the nineties, like, like the super just metal stem solid friends. I didn't realize what they were. And people would always make fun of me when I was at the crag, which I kind of understand because being at the gunks with like all horizontal cracks, the last thing you really want to use is rigid stem yeah. Cams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. All I could afford, and that's all I could you get at the time. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's a process. Like you just keep learning uh, step by step. <laughs> what was your reaction the first time you actually opened the big bro and you saw it like jump out? It took me forever to figure out how to open it. One, like I could, I was like <gasps> twisting it, like I, and then when it finally opened, I was like, oh. But I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to like kind of close it a little bit and like lock it. It was. Uh, that makes it, sense. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It yeah, makes yeah. sense now that I've like, I understand the big bro, but when it's like the first time you've seen, you don't even know what it's, I didn't even know what it's called. I just saw this like tube and I was like, Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so I, I really would like to emphasize something that. Uh, so I want to ask a couple key questions. They're going to be short answers. So, uh, and I know. To anyone who's listening to this right now, I know this is going to sound probably really like, why are you asking about grades or anything like that? But I want to prove a point here. So like this is, I'm taking off my podcast hat and I'm putting on my coach hat. So <laughs> prepare to get educated. Okay. Um, what are the current grades that you project right now? So I've sent 13 B sport. Okay. Um, trad 11 C. Okay. Um, <laughs> my bouldering is not up to par at all. <laughs> It's like, it's so bad when people hear when I climb sport climb, they're like, Oh, you should be able to like work this V8. I'm like, you have no idea. I'm not even close. Bouldering is a whole nother animal. So, and if anybody's listening, I know a bunch of boulders. I love you. I think Jesus thinks they're great, but I don't really care. Moving on. Um, so, okay. So the point I want to bring up here is this. The next question is how long have you been climbing? Seven years. Okay. So yeah, and this is the coach moment. You started off mock leading and learning properly in a way that was one, in my opinion, mock leading allows you to do three things. One, it learns you to learn the craft. You can get it down Two, you understand. You can get used to exposure. 
and you can really acclimate yourself into everything that's going. And last but not least, you get to be bold and you will try things that you consider stupid, but you would never consider them stupid because you're mock leading. But then when you actually get on the sharp end, you already know you can do that big ass move or that powerful move or whatever. So what I want to say from the very bottom of my heart, wearing my coach hat, thank you so much for that. And whoever taught you who, and that's actually a question I have for you. Like, is there anybody particular who is a mentor or whoever, or if that was your idea, like, thank you so much for that, because that is what I did. And a lot of people boo hoo on it. A lot of people are just like, I, I want to get on the sharp and I want to do this. I'm like, just like, and I'm, I can't stress to them. I'm like, if you would just mock lead everything above your pay grade that you want to get for just a season, the amount of sheer knowledge and boldness you would walk out of this thing with would be mind blowing. But as I always like to say, rock climbing is an ego based sport and it is hard to get over it. Oh my God. Seriously, just please put your ego aside. Cause for real mock leading for me. And this is what I did. A friend of mine just had me mock lead a climb um, that I top roped before and I felt comfortable top roping it. And I, was like, oh, maybe I should try leading this. And I don't remember who it was, but they were just like, no, like, how about we like, and I didn't even know what mock leading was at the time. And they were like, no, well, like, let's have you top rope it and just like place your pieces. It's totally different when you're like placing your pieces um, versus removing your pieces. And then on top of that, I would be on top rope. So like mock leading and they'd give me some slack and every single piece that I'd place, I'd wait. And I would like sit there and like jump up and down and like shake around. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. They, I tell mm-hmm. people to do that during our guiding classes, but I, I don't think I've ever seen someone outside of an instructor. Oh yeah. I did it for a while because you might think your piece is good, but how do you really know unless you fall on it and who wants to just like take a fall on a piece. So being able to be on top rope, and and do that it really helped because there are times even when i would start to lead and i would like place a piece i'm like the slowest trial leader ever i'm so slow because i want every piece to be perfect and i'm learning like there's sometimes you have quote unquote perfect pieces and other times there are quote unquote not so perfect pieces that are still really good and for me like it was it's really hard for me to see that so there are times when I would like be in the middle of a roof and I'd be like placing a piece up on my head and it's hard for me to really see it. And I was like freaking out. And my friend on the ground would be like, it's good. Like I can literally see it from down here. It's good. And I was like, no, no, no. And I would like fall a few times on it and it would freaking hold. And I would look at it and like, you know, there's like one lobe that's like not really like that's like super overcam. The one's like under cam. And, you know, so it's just nice to be able to like, trust your pieces and know like what's kind of like a better placement than others. And the best way to do that is on top rope. Even now when I'm sport climbing and this literally is just like happened to me this last year. Cause I had the biggest ego and like, I wanted to make sure I led everything, even when I'm projecting something super hard, like I wanted to lead it. Um, because I want people to know that like, I can climb this. Like I'm not that like weak girlfriend who's just top roping things. Like, no, I'm a leader. Like I can climb this too. But I'm like learning now that I'm progressing and like trying harder things and like trying like harder 13s that like, you know what, maybe I will lead it the first time, set up a top rope and just like work the moves. I think, yeah, I think that's something you learn with age as you get more experience climbing, because I'm not going to lie. I definitely had send fever in my early 20s in rock climbing. It wasn't until I started projecting hard 13s where I was like, there was one day where I was just like working this move in last chance. and. At the end of the day, I was like, you know something? Fuck this route. I don't even care about this route anymore. I think this route is fucking stupid. I think it's dumb. Rock climbing's dumb. I should be at home watching Netflix, fitting a pizza into my mouth. Like, that's what I should be doing. But at that moment, when I stopped caring, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to get this thing done, like, how do I need to get this done? And I was like, I just need to find this thing on top rope. And so I walked around, figured out, I eventually had to get up there. And I've had more success sending routes faster, more consistently than I've ever had. And I think you're right. It is, it's just this freaking ego thing and people rock climbing is an ego based sport and it's real hard for it's real. It's real hard. So that's all I can say. Quick question. So have you ever had to send a route in the dark? 
<laughs> I only say that because you said you're like, it's impossible for you to place gear fast. But I have a feeling like if you were in a situation like where you're like, I need to climb fast. I need to get the heck out of here. Something tells me you could you could haul ass if need be. For sure. If it if it's like inclement weather or it's getting dark and I didn't bring my headlamp. Um, I've def- I've definitely been in that spot in the gungs where I've just had to like get up the route. But there's also times when I just like night climbing and I'll like go out with my headlamp. The temps are really nice. It's quiet. It's a whole different atmosphere. I've led uh, a route in Arkansas with my boss. We night climbed this 11C, definitely live and spirited. It was great. We sent this route in the middle of the dark. I had a freaking ball. And my boss at the time was just like, I don't even know how you convinced me to lead this route. It was amazing, but I don't know how you convinced me to do this. And I think it was, I agree with you. Like night sends are that. And I think that's something that people actually probably don't. I'm not saying to do more night climbing, but I think doing every one, every once in a while, I really think it hones your skills. Like you actually know, like, like, am I comfortable with what I need to do here? Like, can I actually do that? And I think the one thing, you know, now thinking about this, and I probably taught you so much how to actually look at your feet. Cause now that you say this, and I'm thinking about this and like my coach's hat is still on. I need to take it off and put the podcast one back on. But now that you say this, I'm like, I need to make my kids do this, do a night climbing session because you're forced to look at your feet. Like you don't get an option. And I think that's where most people fail. Most people, they look at their foot until it's near the hold and night climbing. I know for me, I don't pull my eye off of it until I'm like, I am on this hold. I own this real estate. Like the title is signed. It's mine. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I feel like it kind of slows you down if you're climbing too, in a way. Like, I feel like sometimes I might be getting even just a little bit tired. And I notice I tend to like lock off and just do these really dynamic moves. And when I night climb, I have to slow down and really look around hands and feet. It just slows me down. So has there been a climb or anything that you've been working on recently that's been giving you a little bit of headaches, nightmares? Like, I know all, I mean, I'm assuming you've been climbing long enough. You've <laughs> probably had the experience where a moves or a route shows up in your dreams and slightly haunts you. <laughs> I have had that happen a couple of times. Or is there anything that you're working on? So right now I've been going to rifle a bunch. Um, and there's a 13A there called Conception that I've looked at many times when I've climbed the 12A to the right of it. Um, and I've always looked at it and just thought like, this looks cool. A little difficult, but it looks really cool. And I, I have this like this weird experience with this. So I got on it last week and it felt really good there. It's like um, two boulder cruxes and the first boulder crux like feels really good. It's really crimpy and really compression-y. And the second one is just like awkward. You're like traversing above this roof with like nothing below you and everything is a side pole with like smeary feet and i got really excited because i got up to that spot i didn't think i was even going to get up to that spot um and i got down and i went to the camp and i like told all my friends i was like taking this climb and everybody was like oh people who've been like you know climbing like 13d or like sending like two 12ds in a row and rifle which is like unheard of like rifles just like place where oh, everybody's falling oh, i've climbed i've climbed that there like the current route that i fell off last time and i don't go there enough granted i know I yeah. like rifles. Yeah, so like hearing all that, and pretty much because to me, what I heard was like, oh, it's like, polished. There's no way you're going to be able to like, send this. Once like, you get over it, harder you than you, climb, like, can't even you get there. Like, rifles fucking dope. This okay, is going to be really hard for you. So because of that, honestly, like, there have been other things that are harder that I've wanted to try. Like, I'm trying as a person who lives in a van full time and mostly just comes outside. I'm trying to figure out how I can progress in my climbing. And I, I think for me, there, but I've fallen on being outside all the time, like, I just have to try harder things. So like harder 13s, maybe even like a 14A. But because everybody kept t- like literally everybody I talked to told me this, I'm like, no, I want this 13A like real bad. I don't care. So this that's 
where I'm at right now is just like projecting that because I really just want to like give everybody the middle finger and say like, screw you. Like, why did you think I couldn't do this? Okay. So then, I mean, so let's just segue into this. So, um, you know, for those of you who do not know, you are a person of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are both are. And if I'm, I'm not assuming everyone who listening to this podcast knows this both. Do you feel like being a woman, a person of color that affects you as a climber when you walk up there a crag and people belittle you in that particular situation. I understand you, you made a really clear comment earlier. Like I'm not that just a girlfriend that follows I lead. Do you feel like that is something that you constantly deal with on a regular basis? Or is it just kind of like here and there? Cause you know, if you listen to everything that's going on right now, there's a lot of people who say like, this is happening all the time. And then there's some people who are saying this isn't happening as much. And I'm just curious, like what is, your overall black and brown experience so i feel like especially more so now than before now that i'm climbing harder and i'm going to these cracks where there's just like a lot of 13s and like maybe a 12a is like a warm-up i feel like i get it a lot where people i'll like i'll send the warm-up like i'll be like warming up in a 12a and people are like complimenting me like oh my god great job like it almost feels like they think i've just been like projecting that for a while almost in a way. And like, they don't assume that I'm going to like try this like 13 C or 13 D. And that's how I see it. And maybe that's not their intention, but just the way they're like, wow, like great job. Good job. Like, or I'll be like getting to the top and like, you got this. And it's like, you don't do that with anybody else. And I've been here for like two hours and I've, I haven't heard you say one thing to anybody else. Like, why are you saying that to me? You know? And like, or I'll get on a hard climb and all of a sudden I'll just get sprayed down by beta that I didn't, didn't even ask for. And that like really gets me mad or that happens all the time in rifle. And I tell us, tell us to people all the time, I'll be belaying my boyfriend up and it happened like even a couple of weeks ago, like someone will come up and just like drop their shit down next to me, their rope, everything. And without even asking me if I'm going to climb it next. Um, and as I'm like lowering him down, I'll like see the guy just like putting on his harness, like putting on his shoes and like, I used to say something like, oh, hey, like, I'm going to climb this next. Now, I don't give a shit. I will just let them like gear up and get ready. And then when like my boyfriend gets down the, the ground, I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm climbing this. Like, I don't even I'm not even I, tr- I can't even be nice anymore because it's like, you. I don't even need to ask me like, why? Why do you assume that I'm not even going to climb this? No, I mean, it's fucked up. Like, 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 let's just call it for what it is. And I think it's just that people make assumptions and. I like to play devil's advocate in every situation I am in. So I think in their sense, they're like, oh, she's a girl. She's not going to be climbing this. Whether they consider the black and brown thing or not, I'm not going to say that they do or not. People are like, oh, she's a girl. She's just belaying her boyfriend, which is bullshit. Don't do that. I do think that people need to honestly just think about how to interact, interact with you differently. And so just kind of like just kind of playing a little role play here when you have people that say like, oh, really great job on the warm up. Would you be more inclined if someone was just like, hey, did you really enjoy that route? Was it fun? It's one of my favorite routes to warm up on or whether they use the word warm up or not. Would that be something you are more receptive to? I would be for sure. Um, It just like I said, it's because and like for a while, I didn't even really think about it. But last month when I was in 10 sleep, I just got it a lot, a lot. And not just from men, from like women as well. And I think if they just approach me a little bit different. I would feel a lot better. Cause like I said, it's just the feeling of the way I see it is, Oh, you just expect that I'm not coming harder. But it, and it's so hard for me because it's hard for me to put my ego aside sometimes because I feel like I'm constantly proving myself as a climber. Like, Hey, yes, I can lead this too. So I feel like I'm trying to always lead instead of vice versa, just top roping something and like really working the moves. Okay. So let's just go ahead and like call over what it is you as a black and brown woman are constantly having to prove yourself. Like it's just the reality of the situation, regardless what anybody says, regardless what anything else, anybody listening to this. And if you disagree with this, I encourage you seek out people that will actually talk to you. Don't reach out to someone that you don't really know. Cause they'll probably tell you to off. It's kind of segues into a question I wanted to ask you a little later, but I'm just going to kind of get into it now after I say this, but like black and brown women have it far worse than black and brown men because, and this is like, and this is a thought and I'm going to say this like, guys, this is a thought that's still formulating in my head, 
But the reality of the situation for black and brown people is this. Black and brown women have to live with the reality that their black and brown men, if they have that, are going to die and they have they're going to be killed. There's or some things like that. That's just a reality that that can happen. You know, like that could happen in a fucked up way. We all know what that is. Moving on. So you have to be stronger. You have to put all these things out because people are just not even looking at you to begin with. And I think like just looking at it from an internal perspective, you're like, okay, well, you know, this could happen. I need to be very strong. I need to be able to be able to show myself. I need to be able to prove myself. And it's unfair. In my opinion, it's unjust. And I think people just don't look at it from that perspective. And the question I was actually going to ask you, and I know I'm jumping way ahead, but this is my show, so I can do whatever the hell I want. Um, the question I wanted to ask you is as a black and brown man, like at the crag, let's talk. So let's look at rock, the rock climbing ethos. And then let's, then let's just throw everything else into the other. Ethos. And the rock climbing ethos, what can I do? to make sure that you feel supported and you feel like people are looking out for you, like I'm looking out for you or anything in general, just like, like whatever it is. And then obviously in the other ethos. I think with it in climbing, maybe it's hard, right? Cause my whole thing is having more conversations with your friends. Cause most of our friends that are climbing are probably white. Like it sucks to say that, but it's true. So, and all of these like uncomfortable interactions I have are with these white climbers. So I just feel like maybe having these conversations with, with your climber friends, but then that's also hard. Cause that like puts you in a predicament as well. Like, why do you, why should you have to do all the work? Right. As well. It's, 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 it's so hard for me to like, say like, this is what I need you to do because I really do feel like conversations help out a lot. And I'm trying to do that more, more with, my friends, but then I get to a point where I'm just like so mentally exhausted. I just can't anymore. And then I go through like almost resenting them in a way because I feel like my mental exhaustion is because of them. So it's like this weird cycle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree <laughs> with you. And I think the thing with it is, and um, I cannot remember what, what the article was called, but if anybody wants to look this up, it's in the Avera group. If you go to the Avera group, they do a lot of diversity training and different things of that nature, but uh, they have this like color wheel thing. And it talks about like, there are healers, there are peacemakers, there are whistleblowers, there are this and certain people fit into certain categories. And I think the trick is identifying or even so much asking someone what kind they have. And I understand that this is an exhausting conversation, you know, and I'm willing to have this exhausting conversation on my own behalf and yours, you know, if, if that permission is given to me, but you know, I think that's the big thing, but it is exhausting. If we want to make this better, like to a certain extent, we still have to be an active part of the solution because what we cannot have is someone doing it did before. Black people were free. Cool. We're going to share crop. We're going to make this decision. You guys are going to share crop. Oh, share cropping's bad. It's fucked up. Oh, okay. Now we're going to make this decision. Now we're going to make this decision. Those decisions have just been made for us. And I'm well aware, and I, I guess I'm almost kind of doing this as a charge to you, but not, I don't want to do that because I feel like that's, in a, I feel like that's one, I feel like that's not warranted one. I don't feel like you deserve that in any way, shape or form. But I also, this is the reality of the situation in my mind is like, if we're not an active part of the conversation, they will actively leave us out very quickly. And that's the thing that terrifies me. the most. And that's so I definitely agree with like it is exhausting to have this all the time, but at the same time, you know, I always, I want you to always think about it. Like, imagine if we weren't at the conversation again, fuck me running. Yeah. So like, and especially, I don't know if it's because I've been kind of living the like quote unquote, like dirt bag life for so many years now, like living out of my car and now living out of the van and I travel a lot and I just meet a lot of people. Or maybe it's also because I am biracial. So I'm not like super dark. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm on the lighter side of the black spectrum, I guess you can say. So maybe my white friends feel like they can come to me a little bit more with things. So they think I can relate a little bit more with them. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but especially a lot more recently, I've just had like a lot of my climber friends like reach out and like 
ask me questions and I get like two sides of the spectrum, right? So I get my friends who actually truthfully care and like really listen to my words and just say like, hey, like I haven't experienced this and I want to believe that this is actually happening. Like, please just tell me what's up. I hope you guys have been enjoying this episode. I am loving this and it's so relevant. Just see people for who they are. I want to take a moment to plug Beyond Clothing. These guys have seen me for who I am and they have sponsored me from the very beginning. Go to Beyond Clothing, use the promo code ALWAYSREADY and get yourself some gear that will help make your adventures amazing. They make something for everywhere in this big, beautiful blue globe that we live on. Check them out. I also want to give Elisa a shout out. She is the creator of this sticker. And if you don't have our stickers, join our sticker of the month club. You can go to sendsandsuffers.com, mariastanley.com, hit the tab, find sticker of the month, join it and join the family. And then I also have like the other side of the spectrum where I get people who I feel like aren't coming to me because they really want to learn. They just want to argue. And that's where I get really frustrated and my like, I just can't control my anger because it's like, why would you come to me with this like vulnerable topic that, you know, means a lot to me. And then instead of really listening to me, just like kind of keep defending your side and defending and defending. And to me, it just feels like you're, you're, you've been, you closed that door from the beginning. You locked it. You're not willing to open that up. So like, what was the point? Like, are you trying, you're coming at me to try to change my perspective? Cause that's not going to happen. Like I, I try to look at things as like, there's two sides, right? Like there's always an, a, an A and a B and then maybe like a C and it, it's hard for me to feel this way when it comes to racism in the community, because I feel like, like, no, there isn't like sometimes a right and there's only one way, like, and this is what's been going on. So you need don't try to change my viewpoint on this because what I'm saying is going on like truth fact. So please like just open your mind, open your mind. I'm trying to be open as well, but you be open as I don't know. It's uh, I'm getting hated. Yeah. Yeah. So like I pick up what you're putting down and in my opinion, people like that don't truly understand their communication style and they don't truly understand like, you know, and I'm guilty of this too. You know, I'm completely guilty. Sometimes I don't the way realize the way I'm communicating with someone is argumentative. And what in all reality, that means two things need to happen. One, we need to take a step back because if you're trying to have a conversation with a black and brown person and you're like, and you're getting this kind of resistance, you need to think about it. It's like, this is the reality of their experience. Like if you have had a conversation for two hours and it's just like, it's like hitting the wall every time. You need to step back and think, okay, I am trying to get a point across, but the reality of their situation is not allowing this. So maybe point that I'm trying to get across, I'm not conveying it correctly. And, you know, even ask the question, Hey, the question I'm trying to ask you is such, how do I ask this question to you? And then allow that person to understand instead of being like, wham, bam, but this, but this, but this, because at the end of the day, you know, it's rough. And like I said, every, I personally, I know I'm guilty of it, but in other different aspects, but at the end of the day, you're adding, but, and if into a conversation with talking about equality to someone who is black and brown, if you are adding those two words in the conversation is over in whatever else you want to add in there, you added that into the fact of the matter that like, I still realize I live with the reality that I can either be, you know, economically destroyed before being arrested or whatever else unjustly. I can be, my life can be destroyed by my life just being taken away from me. And, or I can just not feel welcome in the things that I love. And all three of those are terrible because now I have absolutely nothing. I have no money. I don't have my act. I don't have control over my own life and I don't even have a way to blow off steam. And what is a human being going to do? Pop. Hence, BLM. That is why we're here today, in my opinion. So if you guys are having this conversation, step back, think about it. If you're hitting a wall, there's a reason why you're hitting a wall. Walls just don't go down. And like, please, 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 like, please remember that 
just because you haven't experienced something or something hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it's not happening. And I get that so often from, from who I thought were friends in the climbing community. We're like, well, like this doesn't happen here. Like I've, for example, like, oh, I've been to this restaurant and like, I've never seen anything like that. I'm like, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Like, and of course, like your, your life is going to be different from somebody else's life. Um, like even this, um, I was on, I was doing a work thing and I was the only black person on this like thing. And, uh, these guys were just like making jokes about like the, the, the Karens, you know, like that are out there and just like joking about that and everything like that. And what I really wanted to say, which I didn't, cause I just kind of felt uncomfortable was like, Hey, like, it's funny for you because you don't have to experience that. But like, imagine if like you were a black guy walking down the street and had to deal with like a belligerent white woman yelling and screaming at you. Like you wouldn't just be like laughing it off. Like it was something else and just watching these YouTube videos. I don't know. You know, no, my ass would take off running. I mean, I would be gone as fast as possible. And I know that might sound crazy and the people are going to be like, stand up for yourself, whatever. No, I want nothing to do with it because at the end of the day, the odds are stacked against me. And in my opinion right now, it's never been so good to be a black man in America, you know? Um, but in all reality, the situation boils down is I don't know if whoever's showing up to help that angry ass Karen understands or has any empathy towards me or what I believe, or they're just going to support her. And someone might listening to this who's like, well, now you're prejudging that person. Yeah, because that's the re- that's the how shit is gone. I mean, tell me that it hasn't been. So this is a wild topic, but I think what we've just realized talking about this is you hit the nail on the head. Just be willing to have intelligent, honest, little vulnerable discourse. We'll get there. If we know you're putting out the effort, we'll grit our teeth and get through it. But ultimately, all we want, and I'm going to say this, and this is my thought, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but we just want you to identify that the situation is real. That's all we're asking for. Listen, you can reconcile on this shit on your own later on. You can do whatever you want. But if you will identify that the situation is a reality. God damn. Like, I think a mountain has been moved. In my Yeah, right. Like a lot of work can be done once you accept what's going on. Um, oh, yeah. It's just. I get so frustrated. You know, I mean, you, you know, yeah. I can't no. say you have no idea. No, you know. I, know. I know. I mean, it's like, I mean, I've been climbing a little bit longer than you and not, you know, and, uh, but I, for years and I just, honestly, I've just kind of always operated on the premise that people think I'm just an inexperienced climber. They don't think I'm very strong. They don't think, I, and I'm not gonna lie. I get, I kind of get chuckles out of it because people will come down and I'll come down. Same thing. Warm up on some 12s, do a hard route, come down. And people look at me like, wow, you're really strong. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking fabulous. It's okay. But you can admire me. It's okay. And the, and the worst part about it is, is like that kind of humor is the only way in certain areas that I could actually diffuse the situation to make them realize that like, Oh, did he just give me a backhanded compliment? Like some kind of tongue in cheek, like real thing. And it's like, and they have to think about it. As long as I've been in this, this is the thing that I've realized that has actually made it comfortable and safe for me to navigate different spaces, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, my opinion is if the person can laugh it off and kind of do that, but then, it's cool. I know. I at least know that they're like not out to get me bare minimum and I can climb in this crag and then all I have to do is just fucking ignore their ass and just stay away from them. Yeah. So like my go to would always be um, smiling. And I like realized that kind of like my whole life growing up, I've always had like a huge smile on my face. Always. Um, even though I was uncomfortable, like my uncomfortable face was just like this like weird smile. Um, and I'm starting to teach myself that I don't need to always smile. Like, cause I would look at it as, oh, if I'm at the crag and somebody's like pissing me off or saying something that's a little jaded, like I really just want to like flip out. But at the same time, as a black woman, I don't want to like be stere- the stereotypical like angry black woman on the crag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. instead, well, like, let me just smile. But like, I'm at the point 
of my life now, maybe because I'm also in my 30s, I just like, I don't have time for these people. I really, really don't. And like, why should I compromise my emotions and my feelings on a day to day basis for other people who mean nothing to me? Or even people who do mean something to me, if they, if they mean that much to me and I mean that much to them, then they should accept me for however I'm feeling that in that moment. Right. So like I shouldn't have to pretend like everything's OK when it's not. And like I'm I'm still going through this process of like finding that midpoint where like it's OK for me to say something, but maybe not just like flip out, but like still get my point across, but also not just like. Um, almost like compromise my feelings by just putting on a smile, you know? So I, I feel like I'm, I'm still trying to like navigate that within my own. Yeah, no, it's a complex thing. I mean, I mean, the echo chamber is real. And when I say the echo chamber, I mean the thoughts that are going on in your head in any given conversation. And Chris and I talked about it yesterday. He had a situation in his earlier life where some black gentleman stepped in and helped him out. You know, I had to explain to him, I was like, you don't understand, like, as a black person, black and brown, like the way we think about the echo chamber is like, okay, this affects this, this affects this, this person's probably this, this person's probably this. And these thoughts happen in a billion, in a billion of a second. Yes. I understand that seems crazy. However, let's put it in perspective that everyone else can understand is imagine that your boss randomly invites you to the board meeting and to the highest, highest of the room, the level. And you don't really know any of these people, but you're like, fuck, I'm on my A game. I have to keep up. Like, all right, this person's this apartment. Like that's how it is almost all the time. It's a statement that I say. And one of my friends told me that this was like the worst thing she ever heard me say. She said, the statement that you said at dinner was wild to me. You said, my rights are not worth sometimes the trouble that they will bring me. I'm just, they're, they're not like, I can argue for this all that I want. But the amount of backlash that I know that's going to happen real fast from all aspects of it. And I was primarily talking about dealing with the cops, but it's not worth it. And I think that's something that as black and brown people, we have to think about. Yeah, all the time. And I'm like sick and tired of hearing people just say that we're like making excuses like, oh, things aren't that bad. Like, stop being so sensitive. Oh, that word sensitive. Stop being so sensitive. It's like, I'm not being sensitive. This is what's been going on in every in our lives for a very long time. It's just now I feel like people are feeling or finally getting that strength to like speak up. So please don't diminish my experiences and my feelings and my thoughts by saying that I'm just being sensitive. Like, I hate that. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. So I want to flip gears here real fast. Um, well, I do want to flip gears, but I do want to ask one question before I flip. Um, what is the most thoughtful or insightful question that someone has ever asked you about this topic? It hasn't really been a question per se. It's been more like when I first started, like really speaking out about like my experiences, say. Um, I started off like with a lot of anger. I think I just had a lot of anger built up in me and I didn't really realize it and it just kind of exploded and came out in this like giant wave um so it was really hard for me on my end to uh speak eloquently and have these conversations with people in my life um because I just felt like nobody was really willing to listen I just felt like everybody was pushing me against this wall all the time. And uh actually this happened it was actually yesterday. Um a, a friend of mine back in New Hampshire messaged me. You're right, I'm like ready to just like flip out. And uh he just asked me like, "Hey, like I really appreciate everything that you're saying. Um but now that I I'm moving away from climbing and getting into like uh kayaking, you know, I'm meeting like, all these like really rad women and it just doesn't really feel like there's like any like inequality going on. Like, so I, it's hard for me to really see what you're saying, even though I appreciate it. It's hard for me to see it. Even the beginning of our conversation, I was still, I still had these boxing, boxing gloves on. I still had this wall up. I was just like ready to flip out, but he actually was like, really, he really just wanted to like see my side of it. Uh, and it was, 
it was, it, it felt so good for once to be able to be like, kind of relax, take yeah, those gloves off. That's awesome. And really just have this like down to earth, vulnerable conversation with somebody who was really, just really wanted to hear me, hear me, you know, like really listen to my words and really understand where I was coming from. And I just haven't really had that in a long time. Um, so for me, like, like, again, it wasn't a question per se, but it was just kind of an experience that I had that like really stuck with me and just kind of honestly, like this happened when I was at the gym, I was like trying to train and like do my thing. But at the same time, like I couldn't just like let it go. I like needed to like, you know, like fight this battle. Um, and it literally like at the end, I like put a smile on my face and I was like, okay, like I can kind of like go on my day now. Like, I feel like this was progress was made. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's rad. Okay. So let's flip gears here. Um, uh, how long have you been living in your van full time? Ooh, it's so the van I'm currently in, it's been a year. Um, prior to the van, I'm in a Dodge Promaster now. Before that, I was in my Honda Element for two years, which I still have because that thing is freaking awesome. Um, and I'm five two, so I'm real, I'm I'm pretty short. And uh the Honda Element like fit me perfect. Like even with the front seats up, I could still sleep comfortably with the seats down. It was like a hotel element. <laughs> um and so you've been doing the van life traveling around climbing uh you were recently featured on rock and ice uh which congratulations by the way that Thank was you. amazing i i was like funny i was actually i was scrolling by and i scrolled back down and i looked at it and i was like <laughs> oh that person has some melon <laughs> i was like oh wow i was like y'all are doing some big things now moving on up okay and so it was really cool. It was really exciting to see that. Where were you and what were you climbing? So I was in Cuba. Um, it was my first trip to Cuba. Uh, last, I want to say like end of fall, beginning of winter. Um, so like, I think like December. Um, yeah, I, it was a complete surprise. I had no idea. Let me tell you, I had no idea I was going to be on the cover of Ascent. No idea. So when I was there, I was with, my partner and then ended up being with some friends that I, I had from, from previous years. And uh, my partner is a photographer and my other friend is also a photographer. And we were just like having fun that day. Like they both of them haven't like taken out their equipment in a while. So we like hiked it into this like crag that I've never been to. So there's a town of called Vinales in Cuba. And that is like the main area kind of like in Cuba that has like the most condensed climbing. There's just, you can literally just like you stay at a casa and you can just walk like 15 minutes to the crag. It's, it's really, really nice. But outside of that, that town, there are a lot of dispersed crags. Um, some that are known, some that are kind of newer that aren't in the guidebook. Um, and this one particular was called Pecho del Mundo. Um, wasn't in the guidebook. Um, we made friends with a lot of like the locals because the local climbing community is very, very small. Um, they develop a lot. They're doing a lot of development. They're badass. Um, and they're so nice. They're just like really welcoming and willing to like show, you know, other travelers the area because, you know, they put so much time and work and effort into these crags. Like they want to share it. You don't want to just like keep it for yourself. So I was really appreciative of that. And uh, we went out, just took some photos thought nothing of it. I was like, maybe I'll get a cool, like new Instagram photo. <laughs> and like, like my friend, Chris, who took the photo and sent it to rock and ice still didn't tell me after they, like right before they published it, he was like waiting to get a copy of it to like give to me. Uh, well, and then like my, a friend of mine just like hit me up and was like, is this you? And like, sent me a photo. And I was like, what the, like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was really cool it was uh this crack i guess there's like some videos of it online um it's super super steep and just like has all these really cool like drippy tufas kind of hanging off the the wall it almost looks like somebody took the ground like the floor and just like raised it up at like 45 degrees um so that was just like the like 11d warm-up that that was like the easiest thing you had there to, to climb um, I just, I love steep, thuggy roots, especially tufas. Like I love the like 3d 
full body climbing that you get with tufas or you like wrap your legs around it or you have to like go back and like catch it as like a side pull undercling thing and fall you into it. You need to it. go to Kalimnos. I do. That was supposed to be my trip this year, but things happen. Well, if you like steep climbs, uh, you are invited to a trip that I do every year. Uh, I am going to not say this trip information on this podcast because those of you who know about this trip, it's just kind of one of those things that is on the hush hush. It's steep, 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 steep limestone if you want it. Uh, but they're big and they're long routes and the, there's a lot of places to climb there. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But uh, so I guess so this podcast is called Sends and Suffers. And we have been talking about the reality of our lives, send and suffering, the things that we do. But is there a climb or a route or an experience that you have recently had that you felt like the suffering, no matter how bad it was, the send or what you finished at the end of totally, totally, totally outward? There's not really like one route in particular, but I'm just going to say overall, my experience with like quote unquote sending some people will like work things until it like feels really good. And like the send go just kind of goes me on the other hand, like everybody that knows me out there. And I'm sure there's people out there that, that know me. I literally give like a thousand percent on every go, even my warm up goes like, or my warm up burns or my projecting burns. I literally give it all. It's, it's hard. I, I just, I feel like if I don't give it all, like I'm not like, how do I know what my full potential is? Right. So all of my like really hard, like 13 cents, literally I've been on the verge of like feeling like I'm going to throw up the entire way. Like every single one. I would like to give you the opportunity. Is there anything you're passionate about? Is there anything that it's super important to you that you want to shout out? And last but not least, where can people find you, get in touch with you, support you, help you, or just say hi to you? Yeah. So like I said, my main takeaway that I get this all the time is like, like I said, if just because you haven't experienced something doesn't mean it's happening out there. So please keep that in mind when you're having these conversations or having these own journeys within yourself. Just because you don't see it, hear it, experience it does not mean it's not happening. So please just keep that in mind um, because I think that's really important. That's a really good step to take to make, make these like breakthroughs. Um, and then, yeah, um, I don't really have like a website or like a blog or anything. I'm just kind of like, somebody who likes to climb and get outside. So you can follow me on Instagram, Walker Genevieve. It's really nothing special. It's just my last name and my first name. Genevieve with a G. It's not a J. Just remember that. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for listening and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. All right, boys and girls, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Most importantly, please join the Sticker of the Month Club. We have up to 10 members. It's super awesome. I just spent all day yesterday writing handwritten cards to everyone, telling them how awesome I think they are and for supporting the podcast. Please stay tuned. Our next couple episodes coming up are amazing, and I'm so excited to provide you guys some great content. Until then, keep sending. And keep adventuring, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go rock climb. I'm out of here. <laughs>